Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jaira. We bless your name, Jesus. We thank you. Can you rejoice, church? Can you rejoice, church? That need has been met. That need has been met. God has met you at that point of your need. Jesus. Woo! Can we rejoice more? Can we rejoice more? Hallelujah. Remember it says at destruction and famine. What will you do? At destruction and famine you will what? You will laugh. Can we laugh now? Can we laugh now? That destruction, that famine, that lack. What is he saying? Laugh at it. Make mockery of the devil. You know, the instructions you get in the scripture by the Holy Spirit, they are most times counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. But God is saying, telling you to do those things because he knows the end. He has seen the end, even from the beginning. So if he tells you to laugh, my daughter laughs. That means laugh about it. I got you covered. So can we laugh again? <laughs> Somebody, whatever need you have, can you just set it aside? Set it aside, cast your cares, okay? And God is at work in you. He's, he's, he's perfected it all, He's done it all. Praise be the name of the Lord. Are you excited to be in church today? Can you walk to five people? Five people, welcome them to church this morning. Five people, welcome them. Say you look beautiful, you look adorable, you look presentable. I love you. I'm excited to be here. And we can take our seats once we've done that. Amazing. It gives me great honor and privilege to be standing here this morning on behalf of our senior pastor, pastor, our beloved senior pastor, actually. How many of you love your pastor? If you love your pastor, you need to shout more than that, eh? It's, it's my honor and privilege to be bringing, uh, bringing God's word to you this morning on behalf of our senior pastor, who is not present this today, but he's definitely with us in the spirit, uh, watching and enjoying our order in the faith. He's seeing all of you as you are responding and you're reacting to God's word. Uh, and he sends his love, he sends his greetings, and uh, we trust God for a good time this morning. Now, uh, we have been on a series in the last 10 weeks. Amazing. 10 weeks. This is actually the 11th installment that I'm about to deliver on the SHIELD series. How many of you have been blessed so far? Okay, you've been blessed. You've agreed now that you've been blessed. So, so if I call you to come and share how you have been blessed, I will get responses because that's what I'm about to do. So if you have been blessed, just tell me very briefly one or two persons. Can you share? Can we have a microphone? How? And I want something practical, okay? Tell me how the subject matter of fear that pastor has been covering for several weeks because these things are, they are powerful truths. That should not just, I mean, you just you shouldn't just hear it and, I mean, another sermon is coming again. What have you done with what you have heard so far? Anybody wants to share? Just put your hand up. There's a mic available. How has the subject, um, the, the series, shoot series? Okay, we have MD here. Can we celebrate MD? 
Minister Inyola. For those of you that don't know what MD, uh, MDs, <laughs> go ahead, ma'am. Praise God. That mic is not on, I think. So what, one, one thing that really stood out for me was at the beginning, one of the first um, lessons, where pastor said that the, the only thing, the only weapon the devil has is actually fear of death. So he does not even have the death with him. The Bible says that the keys of um, death and life is, in, is with God. So he doesn't even have that death. He just has the fear. Do you get? So that's, that's all he has, really. So he's bringing the fear and he's trying to paint the fear like the fear is the real death itself. Meanwhile, the fear is just fear. Like, so once he brings it, and then God did not give you that fear. So when, when a strange, you know, entity is bringing the fear, why are you collecting it? You know, what are you scared of exactly? What you should be scared of is with God, and God is not going to bring evil to you. So that, that really, like, stood out for me. Like, it's just fear. It's just a false, you know, appearance that is trying to make itself like a real thing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So the enemy has been stripped, stripped. There's no cause for fear. Okay? We'll take... Um, Minister Gabriel, and wow, so good to see your hand up. I look forward to hearing that. Praise God. Go ahead, sir. So, so I wasn't, I wasn't going to say this, but when she mentioned this, um, it just, um, you know, realigned with what it has been. Because um, over the last 10 weeks, right, it's been funny because um, one thing God has shown is the fact that he's always present, right? And the fear factor would always set in. So something... So, I mean, let me just... So, something happened on Tuesday, right? I woke up and left the house, as usual, heading to the office. And, you know, Treadmillan Bridge, and month, next thing I knew, my tires blew out, right? And trust me, first response... I mean, I was on 100, right, when that happened. The first response was to hit the brake. And I could feel myself shivering in that moment. But in a flip, as in, it was more like the switch flipped. And there was just calm. Do you understand? So the moment the car, I mean, the car was literally going to fall over the bridge, right? But one way or the other, it came to a halt on the other side. And as I stepped out of the car, you know, it just came back to my spirit. Nothing broken, nothing missing. You understand? So it's, it's, it's beyond just hearing these things. Yeah, it is yeah. setting, um, yes. it is doing a good work that is setting a foundation such that... Wow nothing can come that yeah. would shake you. And if I point the car to you that, you what's up? This car just had an accident, right? You taste a lie. Mm. You understand? Mm. So it's, I mean, it's Amazing. been life-changing. That's a powerful Praise testimony. God. Can we celebrate the faithfulness of God over the life of our brother here? Powerful. And that's why, you know, you are a function of what you eat. <laughs> because what you, when you step out of these walls, life will test you. Okay, and when it tests you, it might poke you. Now, what comes out of you is what you have been feeding yourself with. Okay, when you are sick now, I mean, and you, one of the symptoms is that you start, not every time, but you vomit and all of that. What comes out is what the last thing you ate. Okay, so when sickness, life will put a lot of pressure. And so test you, poking you, what comes out? How do you respond? And that's why all we have been learning for the past 10 weeks should not just be notes uh, in, your, in your jotter. No, should not just be there on SoundCloud. You should be making reference to these things consistently. It should be a lifestyle. Quickly, let's take um, Ezine. You also want to say something? Okay. It's Testimony Sunday today. Huh? <laughs> I like that. Let's do that very quickly. Go Good morning, on, church. Good morning. Um, so last week, my laptop crashed. And the me before 
wow. to drag me into some kind of deep depression. I'll be so sad, I'll be so worried. But um, before I figured it crashed, it was giving signs, refused to come on and all of that. Mm. I know this is small, but it's big for me. It is, it is. Um, so I just said a little prayer. I laid my hands on the laptop and I was like, God, I don't have money to buy a laptop or to fix, so do something. So I called my brother and was like, ah, the laptop has crashed though, so you're on your own. <sighs> Normally, that would just, it would break me, I'll feel very bad, but I just had this, there was a peace inside, mm. I don't know, it came, yeah. it was weird. Yeah. It was, I felt very calm. Mm. So I called a friend at work and was like, bring it, I could help you fix it. So I got to the office and it was like, ah, we have to format your laptop, so everything has to go. I have a lot on that laptop, a lot I've invested in mm. time and all of yeah. it. That's supposed to make me cry, that's supposed to make me angry, but I noticed that whole day, my spirit was so high, I was so wow. happy. <laughs> and I was telling someone that, wait, oh, I just lost everything wow. I've done for years. I've had this laptop three years and I just lost three years of a mm. lot of work, a lot of achievements. And the person was like, eh, you're growing. And I just, mm. I took that, I kept wow. it. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm actually, I've shared this with everybody that's scared mm. to listen. <laughs> I feel so different yeah. and I feel stronger. And Amazing. I'm so happy. Wow. <laughs> you know, scripture, I was just trying to look for the scripture. John 16. Jesus promised you tribulation in this world. Do you know? He promised you, like, guaranteed tribulation. So all of you that are saying Nigeria, Nigeria, God, Jesus said it. He said, in the world, you shall have. It's a promise. You shall have tribulation. It's not uh, negotiable. It's not ah, soft. It is guaranteed. But there is a but. <laughs> he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so sometimes you don't wait for situations to change before you are happy. You don't wait for the outcome. You know, sometimes it's the outcome that predicts, oh, I'm excited. No, you, you are excited because the word has said it. Before you see anything on the outside, you're already excited. You're already happy that, no, I know how it ends. I know that it may not be exactly what I want now, but I know how it ends. So if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, look, there's no cause for depression. No matter how bad it is. No matter how terrible it is, there's no, there's, no, there's no cause. Fantastic testimony. Can we praise God for that again? It shows we're growing. We're growing in these things. We're growing. One more. Ah, hey. I can only take one more. Okay, let's balance it. Five. I'll take you, Tade, and then we'll take um, my friend, Rosemary. Thank you, Pastor. Quickly. So, um, I was speaking on altar journeys. I think okay. every... Um, module was very inspiring, but this was particularly to set me up for the future, mm. right? And before Pastor preached on altar journeys, God had just done something for me that he had done three times the same way. Wow. And he already told me he was going to do it the way he did. But um, I was struggling at some point with testifying and feeling like, um, I don't know, my own was too much. But after listening to pastors um, preaching, I also realized that it was pride mm. to not talk about it because then yeah. I think it was me, mm. right? Because if I, so, you know, there was that. And then I had a friend that 
had gotten admission to the UK to go to school. But she was having so much fear because she had not gotten a visa. She was so scared. And then I poured out everything God had done for me in the last month. Wow. You know how I said I wanted rest. He gave me rest. I quit my job out of nowhere. And I told God, I don't want to rest for more than one month. Mm. And this is what I want when I finish this rest. Wow. And the same day he told me it was going to happen, it happened that wow. same day. And I sent her a VN telling her everything. Do you know, she said that the visa um, information was supposed to come on Thursday or Friday or something. That night, she wow. video called me, said, Tade, this visa is out. <laughs> and, you know, I was just, imagine if I did, because she... Immediately I told her, she went to pray. She said, actually, I've been praying, I've been this, I've been that, and everything. And just having me tell her that testimony also created a chain of something mm, for her, mm. which was that she now realized that the same God that did this, and did this, and yeah. did that, will do this. Because the next minute, she was now worrying about the flights, the dates for the flights. It's always she, going to be something. Always, it's always going to be something to worry about. Yeah. But the same God that did it before yes. will do it again. Remember. 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 Powerful. And you can see she's a shining light, even though she's not in shining light, you see. She's, she's shining the light everywhere. Whatever you learn, you spread it. Amazing. Let's have your rosemary very quickly. Okay. Good morning, church. Um, mine is also a testimony. Um, last Friday, I had an accident in Ibadan. And then um, while leaving the house, I had this strong feeling that something was going to happen. But, you know, I just pushed it back and I said... Um, the covenant of protection is upon yes. me, and then yes. nothing can happen to me. Yes. So um, while coming back from the world, this bus out of nowhere just eat um, our bike, and wow. you know the only thing I was saying was if I could, if I eat my head or this covet, uh, I don't know who they are going to call, <laughs> right? So I was telling God that uh, I was beginning to declare the covenant of the prayer of the prevailing blessing. Wow. I don't even know where it came out of nowhere. Wow. And you That's know, it. It, just, it. it just made me realize the fact that um, I think the eighth installment, yeah. I, I listened to it while I was in the Ibadan. Mm. And it was, uh, I think that the blood, bloody sweat. The bloody sweat, and yes. Then the, the, the statement pastor made that... Um, what you think about in time of trouble is a reflection yes. of, you know, what you've what been you feeding trust, yeah. on. Yeah. So that was it for me. Mm. And they said, we are going to take you to the hospital. I was even still concerned about the bike man. And the, I didn't know something had mm. happened to my own hand. Mm. So when they said the hospital, I said, no, I'm not going to the hospital. It's something they can treat me off in the house. So I trekked, like I literally trekked with a bleeding leg and a, wow. and a swollen wrist and here i am today wow. right testify amazing god is so faithful these testimonies i'm sure each person has a testimony everybody you should have a testimony merely just coming to church and being able to hear these words is i mean a lot of things are happening some of these things you would not know until months ahead weeks ahead years ahead just realize that you are more confident i mean you are more you are bolder Amazing, amazing. Can we just celebrate the faithfulness of God over the PowerPoint tribe? The word never ceases in this house. Coming with so much. Can you do that better? Can you do that better? Amazing. If you remember borrowed garments, one of the things Pastor emphasized there is the fact that fear is a borrowed garment. If you have fear, God did not give it to you. Okay? God did not give it to you. In Cast Your Cares, Pastor talked about food and raiment. How many of you remember that teaching? And look, that's one of the biggest blockers to faith. You are concerned about what should I eat? What can I eat? What would I eat? What would I drink? 
cast your cares. And it says, cares means your constant awareness and reminders of the enemy's stories. So when, when scripture says, cast your cares for he cares, two cares. Do you see that? Cast your cares for he cares. So which care are you going to take now? Is it the care, the worries of what you will eat, what you drink, how the future will be like, fear of man, fear of your boss, all of that. But God is saying, I care about you. God, God has cares. <laughs> the care of God is over you. So he cares for you. So you should not care. Do you see that? He cares for you, so don't care. As simple as that is. Then pastor talked, um, there's a sermon on the, the spoiler alert. How many of you remember the spoiler alert? That the enemy has been stripped. Having spoiled principalities and powers. He made an open show of them publicly. And I remember a sermon many years ago from a famous minister. Uh, that scripture, if you want to understand what it means to spoil something, think about a chicken. When you want to, when you want to kill a chicken, after you've killed the chicken, you put it in hot water, right? And you remove the wings, remove. Have you seen a chicken stripped before? <laughs> what it looks like, very empty, very bare, and all this that you see is gone. That's how the enemy is. The enemy has been stripped, no power. That's the perspective you should have. And then we talked about the stronger hold, okay? The word of God is the stronger hold. Strongholds from exposures, from experiences, from examples in your environment will try to, they will try to threaten you. But of course, the word is a stronger hold. As, as easy, as simple as this thing is now. It's a stronger hold over everything. And then of course, exit strategies. How many of you remember exit strategies? There are certain things that are sponsoring fear in your heart. Perhaps the environment you are in. Perhaps the books you are reading. That's when pastor talked about burning some books. Perhaps the company you are keeping, get out of Bethsaida. Some of the things that are sponsoring and, and, and they are perpetrators and purveyors of fear in your heart. You want to remove those things. And then, of course, we had Pastor Mike, the trifold lock, how that fear uh, starts in the imagination. You want to start thinking, that's where it starts from. You can just sit in your house like this. You are not happy or excited. Before you know it, you just realize that fear, depression starts because you are thinking about something. That's why when scripture says, take no thought. Okay, it starts from the imagination. It starts from your mind. What are you feeding your mind? And those are the things. Watch whatever you are exposed to, it will start playing in your mind in, in another few weeks, few months, and they just realize that you are not, you have lost your joy, you have lost your happiness. Try food luck. And then of course, the tokens of authority. How many of you remember that? What are the three tokens of authority? The blood, time, and what? You have authority on the earth. Okay, and that's why enemies. Um, uh, enemies, uh, or rather, the devil hosts the body of humans to manifest on the earth, okay? Because they don't have a body. Angels, you have, a, you have more power than an angel, hope you know. Because you have, in this world, you have authority. And pastor explained thoroughly the three authorities, blood, your blood, your time, how you invest your time, how you redeem the time, praying in the spirit. And then, of course, the blood, how you superimpose the blood of Jesus over all, all those other um, three um, um, tokens, that there's, a, there's a level and then there's another level. There's your own level that the authority you have as a human being. But God has all of those authorities as well that you can now superimpose over your realities. Tokens of authority. And then of course, the bloody sweat. Talking about the role of prayer. Okay, If you want to get fear out of you, you have to pray. Pray. Jesus was afraid in the garden. He was afraid. Ah, this thing, I don't want. Ah, I'm afraid. Take this cup from me. Let it pass. He was afraid. It's, it's a normal human feeling to be afraid. But what do you do with that? Go into prayer. Pray. Bloody sweat. He was, he mixed, he prayed. Just pray. 
That's a strategy for breaking the, the stronghold of fear in your heart. And then, of course, altered journeys, which um, Tade referred to. Always remembering what, there's something in your life that God has done. I remember sharing, I mean, I have a list of a book in my house about 17 things that God has done for me since I was born. I have it written on one. Anytime I feel like ah, this thing is taking long, I want this thing to happen already. Why? I just go. From, I just take one. I just start worshiping from that place again. Start worshiping. And when you are thinking about what God has done, think about what could have happened if he didn't do it. It will make you know that, ah, this guy, this God is so powerful. Think about how, if God did not open that door at that particular time, how stranded you would have been. That's how to meditate on the realities of God. That's how to see and expand the faithfulness of God in your life. Just take one experience. Just don't just thank God and sit down. And that's the video we were, Pastor was, um, we were showing the recap at the start of. You sit down there. You sit down and start meditating on the realities. That's what I do. For example, there was a job I, I had once. I was stranded, literally. I thought I was going to travel out. It didn't work out. And I resigned. I'd resigned from my job thinking I was going to travel out. <laughs> Imagine. So it didn't work out. Scholarship, it didn't work out. And so I was stuck, literally stuck. And I decided, look, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be praying, just spending time. And then, I mean, this is you not knowing how things would happen. No clue of what will happen. Then, but of course, Holy Spirit ministered to me. Start volunteering in your church at the time. Start volunteering. I was a worker, just volunteering. Going there Tuesdays, Thursdays, volunteering. And then suddenly, the program manager there got pregnant. I said she was going on maternity leave. And then they said, okay, who wants to stand in for her? Pending the time she comes back. And then I said, okay, I'm, okay, I'm open to doing that. And then I did that for a couple of three months. By the time she got back, they didn't want her to do it again. They wanted me to do it. Now, eventually that led, I became the program manager for five. That was my job for five years. When I think about that experience, I don't just thank God for opening that door. I thank God that that woman got married when she did. I thank God that she had sexual relationship with that. That's how well I go. Because hey, I thank God that she gave birth when she did. I, that's the depth, the wisdom of God. That's how well you go. That's what happened to jo Joseph. All of those. Why did God give, um, what's his name? The dream. The king, Potiphar, a pharaoh rather. If, imagine there was no dream. Imagine there was no dream. No, there's no, you would just be in prison. So you go back in time and begin to reflect on the faithfulness of God. Think about the strategies. Just be more, and as you do that, gratitude will be rising in your heart. Gratitude will be rising in your heart. Because look, you enter into his praise with what? Thanksgiving. That, before you present your request, Thanksgiving. Altered journeys, altered journeys. And then last week, pastor of wells and true wealth, powerful teacher. I really enjoyed that teaching. I mean, no pastor is very skilled at breaking things down. I mean, if you is breaking things down. Three forms of prosperity. How many of you remember that? First one is what? First one is what? Ethic Bagway? Eh? Internal. I'm hearing different things. I'm a teacher. This is how my own teaching will go today. It has to be interactive. We have learned so much. Don't be like the people that uh, Timothy talked about in 2 Timothy 3 7. Ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. We don't have such Christians here. What's the first form of prosperity? Prosperity of the soul. Prosperity of the soul. And it says that's internal prosperity. Okay, starting inside. Okay, start on the inside. 
prosperity of the soul. You can't prosper on the outside. There's forms of prosperity that you see on the outside. Okay, but if it's not first on the inside, it's not sustainable. It's not from God. Prosperity of the soul. And then he talked about the second one, which is evidential prosperity. It doesn't end in the soul, okay? Don't say, I, I, I'm rich, but it's just in your brain. <laughs> we can't see anything on the outside. We have to see it, literally. And then the last one is what? Eternal. That's heavenly. You have to um, lay treasures up there, okay? Such a rich uh, buffet we have been fed with. You know, Psalms 23 tells you, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? There's shepherd up there, but there's also shepherd down here. Pastor, that means our shepherd. And we have not been wanting. Have you been wanting? Can we celebrate Pastor Dami in session? A true shepherd, a true man of God that takes time to receive from the Most High God and just feed us. We celebrate you, sir. We love you and we miss you. Do you miss your pastor? Miss you, sir. So today, in the next 40 minutes thereabouts, I'm sure if I just finish, I'm just going to sit down. We have been blessed already now. We have been blessed. I mean, more importantly is for you to always refresh, go back. All the same, all the things I shared, I have it on my, I always go back to my notes. Always good to write. Either in your jotter, on your phone, your notes on your phone, take something down so that you can make reference to it. Okay, 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians this morning. Very short sermon. Just layering on some of the truths that pastors shared in the last 10 weeks. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 2, 11. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Look at what it says. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I read again. Lest Satan, it talks about a lot of things before that, but this is where I want to zero in on today. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Hmm. No, the enemy has been getting advantage of a lot of people because of their ignorance. But we are not ignorant in this house. You have a lot of revelation, a lot of insight from teachings, previous teachings that you can go back to. If you don't want the enemy to take advantage of you, don't be ignorant. Tell your neighbor, don't be ignorant. Because the enemy has what is called devices. I don't know if you have devices. You have a smartphone, right? You have, what else? A laptop. You have, what else do you have? Okay, iPad. What else? A lot of devices. This is a world of devices. I mean, it's a digital revolution era. So you have devices. The enemy also has devices. <laughs> It's scripture. It's not me. It's scripture. The enemy has devices. For most of the devices you have, most of them you have to power them, right? Your phone, I mean, it's 50%. After a while, you just realize that the battery is running out, okay? Devices need to be charged. Now, the enemy powers his devices through fear. That's how the enemy powers his devices. All the devices, all the strategies that he uses, all the strategies in, that he used to subdue people, all the strategies he uses to subdue people in there is fear, sponsors fear in the heart of, that's the strategy. And that's how the devices are charged. So any form of um, fear in your heart, any form of uh, anything that is in your heart that is not of God, what is powering that thing is fear. Fear. Fear at the bottom, at the root of it. Is fear. And one of the things that fear would do, one of the things that fear does 
is to limit you from achieving your potential. God can say that, look, what I want you to achieve is 50. But you get to 10 and you are satisfied. Because, no, that place is for some other people. It's, for, I'm not, it's, not my, it's not my calling. It's not my fear. It's fear at the bottom of it. Because fear will limit you from going beyond what God wants you to go. God wants you to attain a certain height. But because there's fear in your heart, there's fear in the heart, something will be limited. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with us today. Just taking a, um, a leaf from where, what I shared uh, on Thursday. How I many of you were there? Church on the move. Yes, I shared some truths that even me, I'm still learning from. Usually when, when a pastor preaches, they are also still growing in those things, okay? It's not fully from. That's why it says, the husband man shall be the first partaker. That means he wasn't the partaker. But he, was, he hadn't practiced. He was, he, you partake of it after you teach it. So when you teach certain truths, you partake of it as well. Not just the brethren. So we're also growing in these truths. Hebrews 11. That's where we're going to start from this morning. Remember, devices are powered by fear. Hebrews 11. For the last two months, God has been teaching me about the fact that it is not enough to be fruitful. It is not enough to multiply. It is not enough to replenish the earth. It is not enough. That's not where you stop. Many people have stopped at the level of, I am fruitful. That's great. I'm excited. I have abundance. I shared on Thursday that that was a mistake of the rich fool. Where God is getting you to is the realm of dominion. When God created man, he said, look, be fruitful. He didn't stop there. Multiply. He didn't stop there. Replenish the earth. He didn't stop there. Subdue the earth. He didn't even stop there as well. He said, have dominion. You know, the first three elements there, fruitful, uh, multiplication, replenish the earth, is about acquiring. Just possessions, having physical possessions in your hand. You have, you have fruitful, you are fruitful, and then you want to add more to it. You have 10 million, you want to make it 20 million or 30 million. There are a lot of, that's replenishing the earth. You have two companies, you want to have another headquarter, you have another branch in Dubai, for example. So you are spreading your tentacles. But subdue. That one reminds me of the colonial era. Subdue a particular territory. Dominate. That's what God wants. And so don't settle for fruitfulness alone. If you are fruitful, praise the name of the Lord. If you have multiplied, hallelujah. If you have replenished the earth, I celebrate you. Can you begin to journey into the realms of what? Subduing. Can you begin to, begin to aspire to dominate? To be in Because that's where God wants us to be. Dominating sectors, dominating industries. So God will say, look, my daughter is there in the education sector. I trust my daughter. I trust my son. In the finance sector, I, I see my daughter is there. So policies that will advance the cause of humanity, that will make the world a better place. You can't do that at the level of just being fruitful. That's why Christians should go into politics. Because that's where police, policies are being made. Policies are made there. So if you have, if you have and of course, it's not everybody that would go, with, there's a call into, there's a call into that, that field. But it's a, it's a place where you can, where you demonstrate that domineering spirit. If I want to call that. Dominate. Very important. And so, tell your neighbor, don't settle for fruitfulness. Tell them, don't settle for multiplication. Don't settle for replenishing the earth. 
Tell them subdue. subdue. Tell them dominate. dominate. Tell them have dominion. It's not as though you are running roughshod over people in the office. No. But when you're in that office, be the person that, ah, this is the best staff in this office. I said it yesterday in my workers' meeting. Christians should be the best staff in the office. Should be the worker of the year. Every time. Every time. Steady. Okay? Steady. We shouldn't find a Muslim there. We shouldn't find a Muslim there. There are smart Muslims who praise God, but it's you. You have the spirit of God on the side of you. Dominate that office. Now, Hebrews 11. Now, Hebrews 11 from verse 32 begins to catalog some people that I want us to explore this morning that subdued. Okay? Remember that fear will keep you from subduing. And I want to show us how fear almost kept these people from subduing the kingdoms that they did. This is what I've been studying for the last two months, just reading about these characters. From verse 32. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and of Samuel, and of the prophets. Number one, who through faith subdued kingdoms. He listed all the things that he did. But the first one there is what? They subdued kingdoms. And I've been studying, I've studied David. Some parts of David, David is elaborate. You can't finish him. But for the last two weeks, I've been studying Gideon and Jephthah in the book of Judges. How many of us know Gideon? How many of you know Jephthah? <laughs> These are two people we want to study today. How did they subdue kingdoms? How did they subdue kingdoms? And I will tie it to fear. There's a fear factor that stops people from subduing. Both of them subdued kingdoms. But one of them they almost missed it because of fear. Let's go to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. The title of my sermon is The Gideon Complex. The Gideon Complex. Judges 6. Judges chapter 6. Now this is Gideon. A quick um, um, recap of, or rather just some context about David and Gideon and Jephthah. Gideon was a judge. Before David became king, judges ruled Israel. They were not kings, but God just brought them up to rule Israel, just to more like administrative, just leadership. No, they were not the king. They were not kings. So you have Samson as a judge as well. Deborah also was a judge, okay? Barak was also a judge. Interesting that most of the people listed in 1132 of Hebrews were judges, actually. And so both these characters, they were judges. They were not kings. So Gideon, at some point, the Israel would rebel. I mean, they would serve other gods. They would, all kinds of things would come. Those guys, God help them. God will help you finish like this. And then you go back again to the same thing that he delivered you from. And so that's why they, keep, they kept having judges. Same, because they would sin. They would have idols. They would build idols, build altars. And they would go into slavery again. One king from another place, Ammon, they would just come again and make them slaves. After a while, they would start pleading, hey, God, God, have mercy. And God would save, send another judge. The judge would save them, and they would go back again. Don't be like the Israelites. <laughs> Don't be like the Israelites. When God has saved you, just stay. Stay there. <laughs> stay there. So this was Gideon. Gideon, so the Israelites were being subdued. 
by the Midianites. They will plunder them, they will take their tools, they would kill them, they would, they are, they are farming, they will, everything they sow, they would take them and eat. They, would, they just were victims to the Midianites. And so this is Gideon now, angel of God appearing to Gideon. Let's start from verse, um, verse 11. Gideon, Judges 6, 11. That's why it's good to have your Bible. Follow me. And please, I would advise that you read this, um, this book of the Bible. It's a very powerful one. Especially because he's referenced in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an offer that pertained unto Joash the Abyssalite. And his son, Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So he had to hide it because when he, if you don't hide it, they will come and take it. They will steal it. And you don't have anything. They will plunder you. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The Lord answered him. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. The Lord did not respond. He said, Just go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? This guy. Look at what he said again. He said, and he said unto him, Gideon, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. The Lord said unto him again, this dialogue is very interesting. Surely, I'm from, I will be with you. You will smite the Midianites as one man. Don't worry, go. And Gideon said again, If now I have found grace in your sight, then show me a sign. <laughs> show me a sign and the Lord indulged him God doesn't have this plenty of time in the, in the new, one God, when God gives you an instruction there's no time to start checking for signs looking for signs on the outside we'll get there later show me a sign if you are with me if you are truly with me and then depart not hence I pray thee until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and then, of course, he went in, brought in a basket, all sorts of things. And the angel of the Lord said unto him in verse 20, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon the rock, pour out your broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of his staff. So he wanted proof about what God had already told him in the word. Looking for evidence. God has said it in the word. Show me on the outside. That's Gideon for you. Now, let's leave Gideon. Let's see Jephthah. Go to Judges 11. And God showed me how that these two personalities and these two characters are a reflection of one, Gideon, the Old Testament believer. Even though both of them, God allowed them to what to subdue and they still prosper and all of that. Jephthah is the New Testament believer. That's how God wants you to be. You take the word and you believe it and run with it. Look at Jephthah now. Remember the story of Gideon. Have this at the back of your mind. Now, Jephthah the Gileadite, from verse 1, was a mighty man of valor. Remember the same expression, mighty man of valor. And he was the son of a harlot. Son of a harlot. Remember Gideon too. Gideon too. He said, I'm the poor, I'm the least. This one too. Son of, so you, you have backgrounds. Two terrible backgrounds. So it's not that because one had a better background than the other. And that's why I was able to believe. 
And he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead begat Look at verse 2. He said, and Gilead's wife bare him sons. And his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah. They sent him out. We don't want you. You are not part of us. You are, you are the son of a harlot. You don't belong to us here. Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. They sent him out. He left. He left. Now, Jephthah, there was no record of him having any encounter with an angel. Any encounter. There was no record of him asking that, oh, show me proof, show me evidence. But Gideon, because of his background, my, I'm poor, I'm the least, I'm the, I'm the least, I'm the lowest. You are bringing experiences from your past to, to justify why God's word will not hold true in your life. Number one, Gideon complex. Using your background as a reason why God should not bless you. The Gideon complex. Your background, your previous experiences. That's, that it was, that's, those are the things that furnish fear. Because, oh, I, I graduated with a 2-2. Ah, I'm not entitled to this job. No, who says that? Ah, because, ah, I grew up in the north. Then, ah, I, I don't know how to speak English very well. My English is... Who's, you, who, and that means I won't get some opportunities. Who said that? Defter was the son of a harlot. No encounter with any angel. Yet he believed. There was no record. I will show you what he eventually did. But Gideon, always looking for evidence. Show me. If I've told you, oh yeah, tell me again. I will strike you on this altar. Let me, let me see evidence. So are you the kind of person, you, if you, God does not show you the spectacular before you can believe the word, then look, fear would be gripping your heart strongly, constantly. If God has said it in the word, just believe it and run with it. Don't be like Gideon. He's a complex. He succeeded, but that's not what God wants of you. Believe what he has said and run with it. That's number one. Number two. <laughs> Let me tell you what Gideon did now. Versus what Jephthah did. Let's go to verse six again. So you can see that um, Gideon always wanted to see what? The spectacular. There was no time where he said, I believe. Help my own belief. Let me just run with this. I will go and do what you asked me to do. Now look at what Jephthah did. Let's go to verse chapter 11. Jephthah, this was what Jephthah did. And this is what Pastor highlighted in the bloody sweat. And this is very easy to remember. Judges 11, 11. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead. And the people made him head and captain over him. You can read the entire story later. In the interest of time, I don't have time to dig deep. Look at what it says here. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord. That's the only record you have of Jephthah and the Lord having any interaction. There was no angel. There was no sign. Prayer. Oh, they have made me head. They want to fight the, uh, the, the Ammonites. Because in Jephthah's time, it was the Ammonites. In Gideon's time, it was the Midianites. So there will be a lot of ites in your life that will be, that you'll be, that you'll be battling with. He just uttered his words, sat down, and said, Lord, these people have made me head. How will I, how will I get this thing done? He uttered his words before the Lord. No dramatic, mm, once scripture has said it, present your case to God. So number two, don't look for spectacular things. Present your case to God. 
Learn from Jephthah. Just present your case to God. Present your matters to God in prayer. Don't they don't say, ah, wah, wah. God has given you three scriptures. Please give me two more, two more. After two more, I will be sure. After the two again, yeah. just add one more. Let me just, just to seal it. Even after that one, that's a Gideon complex there. Believe God and just run with it. That's fear that is already there. You're afraid that, and if you read the entire story of Gideon, at some point, God, <laughs> he was not, he didn't even ask for it again. God now even suggested it, that I know you may not believe me, so go and do it. <laughs> Yo, what a man. Okay. Number three now. Let's go to number three. Let's go to chapter six. Number three. Just highlighting some uh, indicators of fear. Okay. 634. 634. Look at what it says. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and blew a trumpet and he blew a trumpet and Abiezer was gathered after him. 35. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also was gathered after him and he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulon and unto Naphtali. And they came up to him. He came up to them. He came up to meet them. So he sent messengers. Take note of that. He sent messengers. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he sent messengers. Let's check Jephthah. <laughs> Look at Jephthah 11. That's <laughs> Jephthah 11. <laughs> Judges 11. Okay, Judges 11. Same thing. The spirit of the Lord came unto him. Um, that's verse. Um, where does it say spirit of God came on came upon me, came upon me as well? Twenty-nine, right? Okay, thank you. Look at it, verse twenty-nine. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, just like Gideon, and he passed over Gilead. He went for those people. The fear, the fear, fear is coming. You have concerns, but you are waiting for the right company to come rather than going to seek for the right company because you need the right company to remove fear. You need to plant yourself in some places, remove some, yourself from some places. Gideon, what he did after the spirit of God came, God allowed that to happen. Then he's, uh, he now automatically, people started coming to him. And those were the people that strengthened him, really. Those were the people that strengthened him. But Jephthah, once the Spirit of God landed on him, like he started looking for the right company. He went there. Look at what it says. It says what? And he passed over Gilead and Manasseh. And passed over Mispah. He went there. And from Mispah of Gilead, he passed over onto the children of Ammon. He went there. Can you go and seek for the right company? Don't say, oh, you are now sitting down, feeling um, nobody's with me. I feel lonely. I feel depressed. Eh? <laughs> you know that woman that is trending, that was trending some weeks back. <laughs> Let me not go there. Seek for the right company, okay? That's a Gideon complex will just stay and be waiting for opportunities. Faith acts. Okay, once the Spirit of God is as you have heard the sermon, there's an action that is required. There's something that is expected. Don't just sit down and say, okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for things to change. I'm waiting for circumstances. What actions are you taking? Go to that um, friend. Go to your pastor. Tell, take actions. Plant yourself in the right companies. Don't let the Gideon complex allow you to just wallow. And, because Gideon, he was mercy received. That's why all the, he, he still subdued in spite of all of that. But that's not where God wants us to be. So, Number three is what? The right company. The right company. Go and find it. 
go and find the right company. Change your, find good friends. Fine, you can go, ah, where are good friends in Nigeria? <laughs> Ask, reach out to people. Go and reach out to people. Don't wait for them to, okay, nobody's talking to me. How about you talk to people? How about you make friends intentionally? Plant yourself in the right environment. That's what Jephthah did. That Gideon did not do. Number four now. is seven. It's step by step. No, no rush. Okay. Number four. Judges 11. Let's, let's read Judges 11 again. I'm doing a comparative analysis this morning. Just take what ministers to you. Take what ministers to you there. Now, look at what um, Jephthah did. Verse 12. After he sent messengers. Okay, verse 11. After the Spirit of God came upon him, or rather after he, what, he uttered his words before the Lord. Look at what Jephthah started doing in verse 12. And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon. Remember, the Ammonites were the ones troubling them. He sent a message to them. He says, thou, what hast thou to do with me? That thou art come against me to fight in my land. Why? 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 Be confrontational. Address that fear. Go for it. You don't find a record of Gideon doing this. Gideon will say, this is, this is Gideon for you. Am I going to win? Ah, tell me. Tell me. Ah, look at what they are saying about me. Ah, it means I will win. That's Gideon complex. Jephthah sent a message to the guy. Why are you troubling us? The confrontation, address that fear. There's no cause. There's no cause. Talk to the fear. Have a conversation with your fear. Why? And that's what David used to do. Why are thou cast down my soul? Why? That Why? Why? What, 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 what is the problem? Have a conversation with your fear. Gideon never did that. And that's why he was always afraid. He was always afraid. He never sent a message to the, to the Midianites that what is the problem? Because when you stand up to fear, that's what happens to bullies. Bully, fear is a bully. Fear, you, you, as long as you allow it, you entertain it, you sit with it, you tabernacle with it. But if you stand up to speak to that fear, that's what Jephthah did. Sent a letter. And then look at what the Ammonites, they also responded. Fear they, uh, always responds to. And he says, verse 13, And the king of the children of Ammon, answered unto the messengers of Jephthah because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt from Arnon even unto Jabok and unto Jordan now therefore restore those lands so he explained the rationale hey so this is why you are threatening us this is why you have been disturbing us okay so Jephthah also answered and gave him a narration that this was what happened when we were leaving Egypt this was so so and so you talk to the fear after that they did not allow him more they said, we, we don't send what you have said. We are still going to continue what we are doing. And then, okay. Jephthah said, okay, I understand now that this is why you are coming for us, okay? So I'm going to approach this another way. So look at what he did here. Verse, verse 24, it says, Will not thou possess that which Chemosh thy God giveth thee to possess? This is Jephthah talking to them. Leave us alone now. So for whomsoever the Lord our God shall drive out from before us, them we will possess. See the confidence, see the boldness. Anybody's, we, you address it, you speak to it. So number four there is engaging your fear directly. Engage your fear directly. Engage your fear. Talk to that fear. Have a conversation with it. If it's a boss at the office, some people are afraid of their bosses. It's a big conversation I have with a lot of people when I speak at conferences. This is my boss, this is that. 
Have you, can you sit your boss down? How many of you can sit your boss down? Have a conversation with your boss. You'll be able to do that. Your line manager, sit, have a conversation. That Why do you treat me this way? <laughs> you can do that. That I've observed, of course, there's a way you can put it politely. Have a conversation. You realize that this thing is simple. It's not, they are human beings. They are human beings. They go to the toilet like you do. All the things you do, they also do. Have a conversation. Anything that you're afraid of, engage it. Talk to it. It makes it easy for you to deal with it, to subdue it. Because you know how it reasons. You know how the, how the, the, the Ammonite responded. So you are going to say, okay, this is a reason. Okay? So you are more confident. There's fear in their heart already. Just because you respond, you, you, you send them a message. There's fear. They will respond to you differently. I'm talking about your boss now. Even if they bobo you and say, why, why are you talking to me like that? But the fact that you brought it up, as is something that is a concern. But if you just cower in fear and say, ah, like Gideon, ah, what, what are they saying about me? Show me evidence that they <laughs> engage your fear directly. Tell your neighbor, engage your fear directly. Go after it. Go, go after it. Now, <laughs> number five now. Number five. Let's see what Jephthah did now again. Powerful. Powerful. Now, in Judges 11, now, after the Spirit of God came upon Jephthah, remember I said the Spirit of God came upon him, he went for, he went for the right company. Look at verse 30, 11.30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands. He made a promise. He made a promise that if you do this for me, it's not saying, God, show me if you will do it. He said, if you do it, this is what I will do. You ne- <laughs> it's different. He already knows that God would do it. But he said, if you do it, this is my own. And what he said there, powerful. He said, anybody that appears to me, that comes to me, after I win this battle, the first person that I see, I will offer the person to the Lord. That's what, that's... <laughs> somebody say, you've not read that in your Bible. Read your Bible. And guess what? When he won, and he won the Ammonites, the first person he saw was his daughter. Some of us have not read. You've not read. You've not seen this. First person was his daughter. And he had, to, he had to fulfill that promise. He offered his daughter to the Lord. The daughter also accepted, had to request for more time. And said, look, let me go and mourn with my friends. He mourned with, with, she mourned with her friends. And then she was offered. Till today, they have a day. It's there in the Bible. Verse 40 said, It came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, whom, which he had vowed. And she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah. The Gilead at four days in a year. This guy made a vow and he fulfilled the vow. But what will our brother Gideon do? <laughs> Come and see brother Gideon in chapter... This guy. Look at what he says. So, in... <laughs> very funny guy. Now, look at Gideon... Judges 6, verse 36. Look at it. This is after the Spirit of God and he sent messengers. And Gideon said unto God, look at the vow of Jephthah compared to this one. If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool. <laughs> I, will put a, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth, Beside, then, shall I know 
that thou will save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. Jesus, I mean, God allowed him, he indulged him. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morning and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. See what Gideon said. And Gideon said unto God, let not your anger, <laughs> let not your anger be hot against me. I will speak but this once. <laughs> let me prove, I pray thee. But this once with the fleece, let it now be dry. <laughs> Let it be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground. Let there be dew. God did so that night and it was dry. Okay, now God will do it. People are negotiating bigger deals. You are doing, show me, show me. Gideon complex. Gideon complex. So, are you making vows or you are seeking for proofs and evidences that go? You making a vow. Go beyond just seeking for proofs and seeking for evidences. Make a vow. All of these complexes are signs and indicators of fear that you don't really trust this God. You don't believe his word. That God, his fear, his fear. Ah, Ammonites, ah, Midianites, ah, what will they do to me? They're looking for proofs everywhere. Number six. Number six. <laughs> and that's why if you look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 7. Let's quickly read that. 2 Timothy 3, 7. 2 Timothy 3.7 says, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Who does that tell you of? <laughs> it's a Gideon complex. It's there, even in 2 Timothy. Ever learning. You come to church every Sunday. Pastor has preached 10 sermons, 10 series on fear alone. Why should you still be afraid? Koyemi. Why? There's, I don't know. You are ever learning. I, I believe we don't have any of such a... There should be no fear. You don't allow fear. Don't be like that. Ever learning. Never able, you are never able to come to the knowledge of the truth that, look, God is with me. He loves me. My needs are met. My future is secured. That's, that's Gideon there. So, number six, are you always needing confirmation or you are always ready to go? Always needing confirmation. Always needing proof. Now, see what God did for you. Gideon again, just so he can eliminate any form of fear. Because guess what? You can't subdue if there's an element of fear inside of you. You can't. You can possess some of those things, but in the realm of subduing, it's giants you are fighting, it's nations you are slaying there, it's kings you are slaughtering there. So you can't have fear. God can still tolerate fear if you are still acquiring this, can make you replenish the earth, some of those things. God will pardon you. In this dimension of subduing kingdoms, Dominating territories. You need to elim eliminate fear. So look at what God did for. Because you know, this guy will always need evidence. So let me, let me see. Let me give him one that will seal the deal. So look at what he says. Verse. Um, chapter 8 now. Judges 8. Now remember before, before I read here. God had taken, told him to um, gather an army. 33,000. God had to subject the army through a test, a fear test. God said, look, I don't need this many people to do the job. Eventually, God trickled them down to 300, 300 men. And how did that happen? It was a fear test. Is there anybody that is afraid amongst you? Go home. So like 26,000 or so left. <laughs> then he took them again to another fear test again. Now take them to the water. Anybody that is demonstrating fear in the way they are drinking, because lapping, if you're standing as though you're alert, ready to go, 
That means you are a good soldier. But if you sit down, yeah, you are drinking the water with so much reckless abandon, then there's fear there. Get test. That's why. That's how it's. So if you are, if you, if God is going to select you <laughs> as the one, the army that would subdue, fear cannot be there. The boldness, the confidence. After all of that, guess what now happened again? This same um, Gideon, verse eight, chapter seven, verse eight. So the people, they are now three hundred. So the people took. Okay, no. Let's start from verse seven. Seven, seven. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped, will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thy hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. Three hundred. So the three hundred men that conquered, that subdued, there was no fear in them. So verse 8, so the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and they sent all the rest of Israel, every man, unto his tent, and retained those 300 men, and the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night, God knows that this guy, there's still fear in this guy. I need to, there's this fear. Let me do something again. Arise, get thee down, unto the host, for I have delivered it into thy hand. That's the same thing that Jephthah, Titi, Lonti, Parishe, God is saying, go to the host. Just go there and even go and see what is happening. Look at verse 10. This is what God is always telling us. Look at verse 10. He said, but, can we have verse 10 there? But if you fear to go down, now give him a strategy. If you, he said, there's fear. He said, but if you fear, oh, do this. He told, go down and fight. I've told you already. You win this battle. But if you fear, go with your servant, Fura. Fura, they don't know. Verse 11. Verse 11. And you will hear what they say. And afterwards, your hands will be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Fura his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. Verse 12. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east, they lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore. You see the multitude. Ah! How will I conquer these plenty people? He said, just go and listen. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. And said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled unto the host of Midian. And came unto a tent and smote it that it fell. And overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered, this is nothing else. Save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand had God delivered Midian and all the host. Ah! Gideon, ah, this is what they are saying about me. And it was so when Gideon had the telling of the dream and interpretation thereof, he now worshipped. <laughs> are you, you are waiting for affirmation before you can worship God. You are waiting for confirmation from men. He now worshipped and returned to the host of Israel. Arise for the Lord. <laughs> Arise for the Lord has delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Abba, after all the many proofs, don't be too hard to convince. Don't be too hard to persuade. The word of God is sure, sure word, sure word, written by prophets. When God gives you a scripture and you stand on it, believe it, trust it, go already, go into the host. Don't be waiting for proofs. So that's number six, always needing confirmation or you are always ready to conquer, ready to go. And then the last one. Last one. Now, when you win a battle, you're going to deal with all kinds of people. Win a battle, you're going to generate enemies. Okay? Not everybody will be happy. When you win a battle, when you subdue a territory, and you win and you conquer, people will celebrate you, or people will congratulate you. But there's some people that will be haters, haters. Remember, the haters will 
there in our confession. Okay. <laughs> Grievous will what? It's there. They will, they, they will come. It's part of it. It's in Psalm 18. They will come. How you handle them is also another sign of fear. Let's compare the two. Look at how Gideon handled. Chapter 8. He has won now. And these this men, they are known as the men of Ephraim. They are known as they are the haters. When you win a battle, they will come for you and say, why did you not call us? They will just find something. Why, why didn't you call us? Why didn't you uh, let, us, let us celebrate with you? So look at what, how Gideon handled this. And the men of Ephraim said unto him, why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us not, when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they chide him very sharply. Why? What's wrong with you? Why didn't you call us? They will speak broadly and roughly. The guy was afraid. Ah, ah, let me not. Look at what he says. And he said unto them, what have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the glean of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then was your anger abated towards him when he said that. So he said, ah, he tried to use emotional intelligence. It's not every time that you use emotional intelligence, yeah, let me just tolerate. You know, let, let, let them not be angry. No. Guess what? These same Ephraimites, because Gideon did not deal with them, they showed up in Jephthah. But see how Jephthah did, dealt with them. Let's go. Jephthah. Don't, don't tolerate. Haters will come. Of course, there are some that you demonstrate emotional intelligence with and manage them wisely. Look at, uh, look at uh, chapter 12, Judges 12. Same men of Ephraim. <laughs> Those guys. Same thing they said to Gideon. Same thing. And the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, Wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon and did not call us to go with thee? We will burn your house with fire. They, they even say we will burn your house with fire. They threatened him. That one, they didn't even threaten him. He's already cowering. Look at what Jephthah said. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, you delivered me not out of their hands. And when I saw that you delivered me not, I put my life in my hands. I passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are you come up unto me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead and smote Ephraim. Because they said, ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim. And among the Ephraimites. So he killed them. What are you saying? He finished them. No, eliminate them. There are some friendships you need to eliminate. When you are, you are celebrating, you are happy, you have succeeded, and then strife. Why did you not do that? You cut them off. You don't need such friends in your life. So it's not physical killing necessarily. You cut off some relationships. When you succeed and you are, you people in your environment, you, you should gather the right company. That's what happened to Gideon. Ephraim showed up again. So there's always an Ephraim that will show up after you succeed. Haters. He, he wiped them off if you check it well. And the Gileadites, verse 5, took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites. And it was so that when those Ephraimites, which were escaped, said, let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto them, Are thou an Ephraimite? If he said, nay, then they said unto him, say now, Shibboleth. <laughs> See why I do correct pronunciation. <laughs> Pronouncing words correctly can save your life. <laughs> then they said unto him, say now, Shibboleth. Men of Ephraim cannot say shibolet. They can't. <laughs> That's how you find men of Ephraim. <laughs> they can't. They could not pronounce it. So instead of saying shibolet, they would say see. <laughs> <laughs> see 
see how pronouncing words can save your life. And so they would say, and he said Sibolet, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. <laughs> if you're asking me why I teach people pronunciation, this is it, yeah. <laughs> and then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan. There fell at that time of the Ephraimites 42,000. Go, 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 time. Tolerate you succeed, and some people are envy. I'm not saying you should kill them like this. So eliminate the Gideon complex. Have you been blessed? Yes. Now, this guy subdued. Though. Like I said, look at, look at Judges 8:28. Let me just show you proof that they subdued. In fact, the word subdued was used. 8:28. Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel. Do you see that? Remember. Hebrews 11.33, they subdued kingdoms. Chapter 2, 11.33. 11.33, what does it say? It says, and he smote them from Aroa, even to Minas, even 20 cities, and onto the plains of the vineyard with a very great slaughter. Thus, the children of Ammon were subdued before the children. These two men subdued. But there's one that did it with the spirit of boldness, with the spirit of faith. That's what God wants you to be. God does the Gideon complex to be eliminated because it sponsors fear. The enemy has a device powered by fear. Devices powered by fear. Gideon could not, if you left Gideon alone, many of God's plans and wishes and wills for his life would not be accomplished. If God is always needing to give you proof and evidence, ah, I would do that every time. God will, ah, ah. That's what happened to Peter versus Paul. They are always needing an evidence. God showed him evidence in the dream that, ah, you are going to, um, these things can be eaten now. He said, no, ah, I'm not like this. I've not eaten these kind of things before. God said, look, you can't do this job. Well, you get Paul, somebody like Paul. Ah, ready to go. You go. Sharp, sharp. No time. That's what God wants. Respond quickly. Respond quickly. If the scripture has said it, respond quickly. Go for it. If it's that thing, go for it. If you fail, you will learn why failing. You learn on the job. You learn. Keep going. People come to me and say, look, how do, do I start? Just start. How do I start a business? Just start. Just start. Don't align it. Just start. Mistakes are part of it. You learn on the go. There's something called education of the road. You learn on the go. Have you been blessed today? Yes, Can we rise and begin to cast down? <laughs> Let's rise and begin to cast down the Gideon complex in our heart. That whatever Gideon complex, let's begin to eliminate it by the spirit that God will cause me to subdue. God wants you to subdue kingdoms. God wants you to subdue kingdoms and territories. But if you have the Gideon complex, oh, you can only go so far before that subdues you, okay? So any form of, can you begin to list those things out that any thought pattern, taking your background and your experiences and always making reference to it, ah, because of this, ah, the course I studied, ah, we may not give you this job. Ah, who said that? Who said that? Back then in school, because oh, you said you studied education. Ah, you can only be a teacher. Who said that? I defied that. I said, no, I can do beyond that. Don't use your background as the reason why you should, your back should be on the ground. <laughs> don't don't present your past experiences to God and say, ah, will this happen because of this? No. Then engage fear directly. Go, go for it. Can you begin to break down these altars? Break down these altars. One of the instructions that God gave uh, Jephthah and Gideon, both of them, was to break down altars. Remove the altar. Those are things that power fear in your environment. Break down the altar. Engage fear directly. Find the right company. Always make a vow. Make a vow that God, if you do this, this is what I would do. Don't always be asking for proofs and evidences. 
Always be ready to conquer. Always. Don't always need confirmation. And then deal with the Ephraimite. Father Lord, we bless you for today's word. We thank you. Glory be to Jesus. Thank you because we are bold. We are strong. We are convinced. We are persuaded. And we go after that which we believe. Without fear. In the name of Jesus. The spirit of faith rises in our hearts. We go. We conquer. We subdue. We have dominion. By the spirit of God. By the grace of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can you rejoice? Can you rejoice? <laughs> Glory to God. Let's take our seats as we pack it. Wow. What a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.